the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. I hope you are enjoying this Thursday, uh, whatever it brings about. We hope that it's going to bring you winners. If you're listening to this right now on Thursday morning, you still have time to go back and listen to yesterday's episode, which has all of the Thursday and Friday games covered. Uh, We've got locks out there for you and... Now, it is time to turn our attention to Saturday. Rivalry week is in full swing. Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli. Gentlemen, how are we doing? I feel like we just did this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little behind the behind the curtain here. We're, we're recording these back-to-back, and Chip, I got to give you a tip of the cap, man. That was great energy coming out the gate when you're coming fresh off another recording. So, well done as the host, my friend. When... Uh... Yeah, just just coming out like uh, Tupac Shakur out of out of prison. Just record all eyes on me in like two weeks, twenty seven tracks. Just let it go. Just rip <laughs> them off. We got all the locks for you. Uh, I we are going to real quickly reviewing last week's results. The leader for the week was Barton Simmons. He had a five two and one week. His wins were Texas A and M plus thirteen and a half, which wasn't just a Barton win. So our uh, our lock our lock unities were one and one. We t- we did take a loss in the over sixty five in Oklahoma TCU. Uh, but Barton also got a win with the Penn State plus nineteen. Uh, thank you to Justin Fields' turnovers on that one. A win on the under forty seven in Illinois Iowa. A win on Arizona plus fourteen and a half. Never a doubt. A push <laughs> with Yale minus seven um, after protests and multiple overtimes, and a win in Louisville minus nine and a half. The losses, in addition to Oklahoma TCU over Indiana plus ten, and that's it. Thoughts on uh, last week's card? Any lessons learned, Barton? Well, hopefully there were because apparently that Yale line got below seven at one point. So hopefully some folks got a Yale minus six or six and a half. And if you did, then that had to have been the one of the better wins of your life considering Yale had to get a onside kick fight with nature to keep it uh the game uh played that day uh it was it was pretty phenomenal so go Bulldogs Tom's card from last week in addition to the lock unity win with 
Texas A&M in the Lock Unity loss with the over 65 in Oklahoma TCU. That we had a win in the under 57 and a half Penn State Ohio State. That was a lock agreement with me. A win in Navy minus three and a half against SMU. A win in the under 59 and a half in Texas Baylor. Tom Herman unders dog and listen to yesterday's episode if you want to get more on that. Tennessee plus four. That was a win. Uh, and that was straight up too, right? Yep. That yeah. was my money line sprinkle. Uh, Temple plus 10 and a half against Cincinnati. That one was a win. And Temple could have won that game too. Uh, San Diego State plus three ends up being a, a late night push. Pitt plus four ends up being a loss. They get shut out by Virginia Tech. Under 40 and a half in Cal Stanford was a loss. How many points were scored in that game? 44. Oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Over uh, 59 and a half in UCF Memphis did not uh, cash either. Six, four, and one, a plus two week for Tom. It was a it was a, it was a big old card, uh, and you end up on the positive. Any any thoughts or lessons learned? I, you know, I was only six, four, and one, but I thought it was a great card. The only mistake I made was taking Pitt in, you know, Bud Foster's last home game at Virginia Tech. I didn't really think that went through, but if you look at the others, the loss at our lock unity of Oklahoma TCU would have been a win if not for a bunch of Oklahoma turnovers. Uh, Cal Stanford barely went over 40 and a half. That, they got pushed over in the last minute when Cal scored to, you know, win the game. And USF Memphis total finished at 59 we had it at 59 and a half and it was at 59 with 12 minutes left in the game so i, I still I, I i was very close to a nine in one week mm. chips card uh the lock unity win the lock unity loss the lock agreement win and then a win in uh in our good old fa- i think that this was that was the last time we're gonna get it right it's gonna be windy in laramie Last yeah. Wyoming home game, so last time to cash in on a Wyoming under. Uh, a loss on Northwestern plus 13 and a half. You know, hated it early. Felt like I might have gotten a little chance to uh, to creep in the back door, but good on Minnesota. And, of course, uh, Tanner Morgan did play in that game, and it w- did end up being a big difference. Texas plus five and a half. That was a, that was a, bad, that was a bad pick. Texas is untrustworthy. And my baseball stadium's unders principle stays intact even though it took a loss because principles do take losses from time to time and you don't count on there being like 50 points scored in the fourth quarter as Miami was trying to roar back against FIU. But we march on. Three and four for Chip. Uh, the overall records, Barton is 62, 44, and 5. Tom is 63, 62, and 2. And I'm at 51 and 57. Uh, all right. So let's go back to Barton. Do you want to play the jingle again or do you want to just dive in? Uh, well, let's dive in. Okay. <laughs> I want to play the jingle. Jingle it up. Jingle it up. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming since 2005 when Service Academy's Look Look at these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.91. We've gone over it a million times. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. All right. You ready for me? Yep. <laughs> All right. Let's start from the top. 
this is not my most confident pick of the week, but it is the biggest game of the week. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, the the other game. Uh, it is basically what we're getting to here is a Michigan team that is playing its best football of the year. Uh, they've got a defense that's third in the country in yards per play. They've got an offense that has been totally transformed since the second half of the Penn State game. Uh, they are 2016 Penn State reincarnate. Things caught on. Uh, the confidence is growing. Their quarterback, Shea Patterson, is playing the best football of his career. Um, and now they're, they're facing an Ohio State team that is uh, has been you know, really dominant over them. So... There's, there's plenty of reason to think this game can and will be close. But all that said, I still think Ohio State is more talented, 1 through 11 offensively, 1 through 11 defensively, 1 through 85 roster-wide. I think it has still a better quarterback, better, you know, they still have a better bell cow defender. Uh, their running back is better. Like, they're just, they still are better. As, as much as Michigan has improved, Ohio State is still better. And it's still the number one team in the country. And it's still a team that turned the ball over three times and beat Penn State by 11. Like, that was still a dominating performance in terms of the play-by-play basis. So I think that Ohio State, under Ryan Day, still has that same focus and intensity that is remnant from Urban Meyer, but the kind of loose enthusiasm that will uh, will serve it well in this matchup. I love the way that Ohio State program is constructed in terms of, of putting so much emphasis into this rivalry. Uh, I can't remember who tweeted it, but Mark Pantone, their, their uh, director of player personnel, has Michigan's recruiting board up on his office and compares Michigan's recruiting board to Ohio State's uh, regularly. Um, Urban Meyer has said numerous times how important this game is and how they train for it all year. And, and, and so many coaches want to say this is just another game about any rivalry. And Ohio State instead leans into it and says this is the most important part of, of our season. And I think that serves them well. It's not to say it's not important to Michigan. I, that's not a, an implication I'm trying to make. But I just love the way Ohio State uh, pours into this game. And I, I think they're just too good to be less than 10-point favorite. So I'm going to go Ohio State. Tom, you got play? I do. Uh, I'm going to paint a picture for you, fellas. Okay. It will be, it'll be noon on Saturday. Be overcast, gray, cloudy skies. Temperature will be 33 degrees. Winds will be blowing through. Michigan Stadium between 10 and 14 miles an hour. So you guys think you know what I'm going to take, don't you? Yeah, what? I do. You're wrong. I'm taking oh. the over 50. Wow. How about this, kids? Going back to 2011, these two teams have averaged 67.25 points in their eight meetings. 
Of those eight games, only one finished with a total below the 50 where this line is set, and that was Ohio State's 26-21 to win in 2012, Urban Meyer's first season. As Barton was alluding to, these two teams spend their entire seasons preparing to play each other, and they save their absolute best for this game. I do not expect it to be any different this season. Ohio State is going to do some things we haven't seen it do yet. Michigan, which is an offense that has been improving all season long, is going to do some things we haven't seen it do yet. We've seen what Ohio State's offense can do to this Michigan defense with its crossing routes and Michigan defense that loves to play in man-to-man. It's going to take advantage of that, and I think that Michigan's going to be able to take advantage of this Ohio State defense. And if you want some other trends, the over, like I said, has gone over in the last six. It is four and one in Michigan's last five Big Ten games. The over is four and one in Ohio State's last five road games. And one of my favorite trends of all time has always been overs in Michigan home games. Since 2010, the over is 40, 28, and one in Michigan home games. Since Jim Harbaugh took over, it's 21, 12, and one. This season, it's four and two. Take the over. There are going to be a lot of points scored in this game. Wow. I, I don't. I don't think the over is like I think the if Michigan were to cover in this game and or win, I think that that would be a game that would go under because I think Michigan like as I envision this game being won by Michigan, I envision the the defense and that Don Brown unit us leaving being like man, we shouldn't have counted out Don Brown's guys. Like I have a little bit of a harder time seeing Michigan just go buck wild scoring points on Ohio State. Um, so that that's a I'm interested to hear you play that. Very I I don't have a play on this game. My CBS Sports HQ and uh CBSSports.com expert picks have been on Michigan and I just you know, I that's because I just imagine this like as I as I sit there and and Tom, you painted a picture. You know, as I try to paint this picture in my mind of the way the game goes, it's like a play, a commercial break, a kickoff, a commercial break, a play, a commercial break. The game goes like four and a half hours. It probably does go over, but it's tense at the end. Like that just I just feel like this game is going to be a one score game in crucial moments. And when I've got that, that's why I kind of lean Michigan on this one, but it is not with the confidence of uh, that a lock deserves, especially here on Rivalry Week. All right, um, let's go to Tom. Uh, for my next lock, we're going to go to another uh, rivalry game, the most important rivalry game going on. We're taking the Illinois Northwestern under 43 and a half. Uh, this is a game where I just there there hasn't been a ton of talk about it, but in Illinois' loss last week to Iowa, Brandon Peters got you know took a shot to the head and suffered a concussion. It's not clear whether Brandon Peters will be playing in this game or not, and if he's not, that is bad news for an Illinois offense that is already going to struggle against a very good Northwestern defense. And we know the Northwestern offense; we don't need to go any further into that. We know they're not going to score many points, you know, against anybody that's not named UMass. And this is another, you know, again, I've mentioned it's going to be a wonder. Temperatures in the upper 30s. Winds blowing through Memorial Stadium in Champaign at 15 to 16 mile an hour crosswinds. So it's, I don't know what to expect from either offense to begin with. If Brandon Peters is banged up with the weather conditions, I just feel like this is this is a very solid underplay, and that's where I'm going to go. All right, 
I am going to take us to clean old-fashioned hate where I am going to be locking it up. Wait, what's that? Is that a buzz that I hear behind me? Yeah, you're right. I'm locking up Georgia Tech plus 28 and a half against Georgia. Have you seen just the incredible ways that Georgia Tech throws the ball now? I mean, we're talking seven for 15 passing in a win against (laughs) NC State. Seven whole completions. Just spinning that thing, moving it down the field. I'm going to take Georgia Tech in this spot in Bobby Dodd Stadium kind of as a... Uh, as a part of a theme that is going to carry with some of my uh, some of my picks here for this rivalry Saturday, and the idea that Georgia sort of knows what it's done. It had that hard fought win against Auburn. It had the hard fought win against Texas A and M. It's got LSU coming up. Like I mean, this this Georgia team. What did we see? We saw a blowout win for Georgia against Missouri, and it was twenty seven to nothing. So if I just need like a touchdown, 10 points to potentially be able to get this cover, I'm going to take it. Give me the bees. That, I, I'm going be a little scared here. Kirby's sitting here talking about we're like exploring every avenue, all possibilities. We're trying to get our offense fixed. They're acting like they are. Like I could see them using this Georgia Tech game as a uh, an incubator for their offensive ideas. And – I, I, I think they might try to get a little loose late in the game and just just prove to everyone, hey, we can score points, by the way. And I don't see Georgia Tech moving the ball on, on Georgia. So that's a big number, but this uh, this game does scare me a little bit. Well, I wish you well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, why, beware of Jeff Collins with nothing to lose. What is he, the uh, minister of mayhem? Yes. Uh, All right. Let's go back to Barton. All right. Uh, Well, let's go to the other big game or another big game of the weekend for back to the Big Ten. Big Ten East, and we go to Big Ten West. Uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin. What is this? Is this two and a half at this point for Minnesota? Catching two and a half? Three, uh, I can get three, right? Two and a half. Uh, you can get three if you're going. Well, let's see. Yeah, you can get three. All right, I'm going to take three. Minnesota plus three. So here's the way I see this game. I think Wisconsin um, is, is favored in this game in part because of what it did the first half of the season uh, where it was really taking care of the football. It was playing really sound defense. Um limiting big plays in the past game, uh, all that sort of good stuff. Well, the second half of the season, Wisconsin hadn't been quite the same team in those categories. Maybe it's just the, the level up in competition, um, or maybe it's just the, the, the drag of the season catching up to it, but it's, it has been turning the ball over. It has been allowing more big plays in the past game. It has been just a little bit more inconsistent. And I think as I look at these teams, and yeah, Jonathan Taylor is the truth, but I, I trust Tanner Morgan uh, over Jack Cohn. I, 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 I've been saying it, you know, this is not a, a punchy Minnesota squad with a bunch of scrappers. Like, they've got NFL guys. Um, 
maybe more NFL guys than this Wisconsin team. Uh, and so I think Minnesota, with this game being at home, with the opportunity to uh, – I mean, I, I, I just think P.J. Flex is going to have his team ready. And I think that they've got some big plays in them offensively and will be able to slow Wisconsin down enough defensively that I just think Minnesota is a better football team. I think they've been underestimated all year long because of the way it started in those first few games where it was – uh, you know, barely nothing, surviving against Georgia Southern and North Dakota State, or and South nothing Dakota but State, backup quarterbacks. Yeah, but nothing but backup quarterbacks, and then they, yeah, yeah, that 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 sort of narrative. But they're killing those teams, and some of those backup quarterbacks sort of have are on teams that have won with backup quarterbacks. And so, I'm 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 inclined to believe what I see from Minnesota of late, which is this is a really good football team, and uh, I think that they they win at home against uh, Wisconsin as a home dog. Better quarterback, uh, Tanner Morgan playing at home, good wide receivers, a Wisconsin defense that can get a little bit leaky. And, uh, and yeah, I just, I, I like, I like the mindset. Uh, I, I think that PJ Fleck over Paul Christ is a coaching advantage. So, Ooh, um, really? yeah, I mean, I'm not talking about a program like for this game, for yeah. getting your team mentally ready for this spot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. So let's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. We talked about it a little bit on CBS Sports HQ, which you can always watch online, cbssportshq.com, or on your mobile device through the CBS Sports app. So I I think that Tanner Morgan versus Jack Cohn is a big difference. I think that the wide receivers uh, against Wisconsin's pass defense is a big difference. And I think that the, the setting being right there, which we saw was just sort of like an incredible environment for this season. Yeah, give me the Gophers catching points. We're making history here because I don't. I know that this hasn't happened this season, and I don't think it's ever happened in the history of the Locks podcast. But we've got a lock agreement and a fight. Ooh! Fight! 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 I don't know. I don't know how to color code. I was going to say we might need a brand new color <laughs> on the dot, guys. Uh, I listen. I'm taking Wisconsin. I'm getting it at two and a half. I, I, I'll give you guys three, but I can get it at two and a half because it's at two and a half at plenty of places. Um, I understand what you guys are saying. It's just I think that this is really not the best matchup for Minnesota because as we've talked about, this is going to be a wonderful weekend, and this game is no different. The forecast is calling for temperatures in the mid-30s, light rain and winds between 15 and 17 miles an hour throughout the game. And Yikes. when you look at these two teams, Minnesota is the team that's going to be more affected by that. Both teams run the ball a lot. Minnesota runs the ball 62% of the time. The difference is it doesn't run as effectively as Wisconsin on the season. Wisconsin is averaging 5.5 yards per carry. Minnesota is averaging 4.2. Wisconsin's rushing explosiveness ranks 38th nationally. Minnesota ranks 81st. Where Minnesota gets you on offense is with big plays in the air. Passing explosiveness, the Minnesota offense ranks 11th in the country. It has been that good. Tanner Morgan has been that good going down the field to his receivers. But that's a lot harder to do in cold rain and wind than it is on a you know September afternoon or a, a warm, sunny October afternoon. And when you factor in the fact that this Wisconsin defense, led by Jim Leonard, ranks fifth nationally 
in sack rate this season and is very good at getting pressure on a quarterback and blitzing and bringing blitzes from different places. I don't think Tanner Morgan's going to get the time he's going to need to hit his targets like Bateman down the field on these plays with this wind blowing. I think that everything is kind of playing towards Wisconsin's favor because we have seen in the games against Penn State and in games against Iowa where Minnesota has not really been able to run the ball, and I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball against Wisconsin in this matchup no matter how hard they try. And like I said, I think that their passing offense is going to be greatly affected by the weather. I think Minnesota is going to go up to TCF Bank Stadium and win the West on Saturday. I'm laying the points with the Badgers. I like it. It's a fight. And Wisconsin is a very Tom pick because it's 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 just nothing but head. It's no heart. It's just sensible. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. I, I mean, that 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 all makes sense. Uh, you know the. I'm I'm not gonna let I am not gonna let you influence me with your wind forecast though. <laughs> that is where I'm gonna draw the line. <laughs> it's a. Uh, Wisconsin Most destructive force football, Barton. Wisconsin may win on the field, but I am I am not going to stand for the wind to be the reason why. <laughs> Don't be careful showing disrespect for Mother Nature like that. <laughs> um, all right. I, I'm going to take us to the SEC on CBS Game of the Week. Ooh. I'm going to take us to the Iron Bowl where I am absolutely, enthusiastically Jumping on board with Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, Big Cat Bryant, and a forceful Auburn defensive front that I think is coming into this game uniquely motivated. They're seniors. They've been around. They played in these kind of games. They understand, you know, what the Iron Bowl means. And you know what Alabama is? Alabama's a little young. Al- Alabama, you know, they just. This, this team has been sort of out of sorts. They've been all over the place. We've had been talking about Tua going crazy. And, yeah, there's there's a lot of NFL uh, wide receiver talent for Mac Jones to help him out. Najee Harris is a super talented player. And any time that Najee Harris has gotten more than 18 carries, he's responded with over 100 yards. Like he's He doesn't get his number called often. You know, he is pretty good in the passing game as well. But if this Auburn defense can limit Joe Burrow – and the LSU wide receivers uh, to under 24 points, then I think that Auburn can turn this into the kind of game that Bo Nix can go and win for him in the fourth quarter. I don't think that Bo Nix is a a great advantage over Mac Jones, which probably says more about Bo Nix than it does about Mac Jones. But I I just feel like this rivalry game is going to carry a lot of you know rivalry significance and meaning for Auburn's sideline and in that environment in Jordan-Hare Stadium than it is necessarily uh, for this Alabama team. And so I'm, I'm going to go with the Tigers here. I'm going to get it at three and a half. And as far as my official prediction, I think Auburn wins the game. I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from. It makes sense. It's uh, I don't I don't necessarily think it's a bad pick or anything like that. I, I'm, I'm, I still think... Alabama likely wins the game, but this is, I've said it before. I think Auburn's more equipped to beat Alabama than it was to beat Georgia. And um, so there's I, – I, I can visualize it. 
but I'm still I'm not, I'm not locking anything up, but I'm still picking. I think uh, Alabama to win and cover. I'm locking something up. I'm Hope get, you're ready to fight twice. I am. Fight. 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 Honestly, you you said that the Wisconsin play was one of my head plays and over my heart. This is a little bit of both. Uh, if two is playing, I'm on Auburn. But Whoa. the fact that the fact that two is not playing, and I know this is a little silly and superstitious, but sometimes you just got to trust your gut here. I feel like Auburn has become a little too popular, and the excuse has been because two is not playing, and that suddenly that makes Alabama no longer a great team. And as we've I've talked to you guys about it, two is great. But his receivers have done a whole lot of the work running short slants, taking short passes, and running a very long distance because they're NFL receivers. And Mac Jones might not be Tua, but if you look at their numbers on the year, he's pretty much producing the same rate that Tua is. So I'm not sure how much of a step off that this Alabama offense is going to take. And while, yeah, that Auburn defensive line is filled with just monsters. Alabama's offensive line is pretty good, and it's better equipped than most teams to not stop it because you aren't going to, but to at least deal with it and slow it down. And at the end of the day, I know this is kind of weird, but I trust Mac Jones more than I do Bo Nix. We've seen Bo Nix in these games plenty of times already this year, and he has done nothing to impress you. Like in Georgia, he completed 60% of his passes, and you're like, hey, look at that. Considering he wasn't, you know, completing fewer than 50% in his other big games against other top defenses, you thought it was an accomplishment. But then you look a little closer, and it's like, oh, he completed 60% of his passes while averaging 4.9 yards per attempt. I don't think Auburn's just going to dink and dunk its way down the field against this Alabama defense, which, granted, is not as good as it has been in recent years, but has been torn apart more by offenses that can push the ball down the field. I don't think Auburn can push the ball down the field, nor does it ever really try. Alabama, I think, is going to win this game by 10 points, so I will lay the three and a half with them. Yeah, that's kind of my thinking, because I've, I've taken the same approach, too, in the sense of, all right, let, let's let's wipe two off the, you know, erase erase our brains from the two of memories, um, and and consider okay, well you got Mac Jones in now. Well, you're still you're comparing him to his counterpart, which is Bo Nix, and I'm I'm like you, I'm still taking Mac Jones in that comparison, and then so let's just look at the rest of the, the supporting cast. Um, Auburn certainly has a strong supporting cast, but is it better than Alabama's? Is I don't think it is. And and I know how good that defensive line is, but Alabama's supporting cast offensively is is I think significantly better than Bo Nix's supporting cast offensively. And uh Alabama is still and then now all of a sudden you got this chip on their shoulder and everyone's sort of counting them out and they're playing for the playoffs and they get to play you know, all these coaches love it when they can sort of spin it as they're the underdogs now, and and everyone's. Uh, so I, I'm. This is, I think, think there's. I'm kind of with you in the sense of like if Auburn was coming to this game, world against them, Tua and the mighty Crimson Tide, uh, it would it would in some ways be a, a more tempted 
tempting spot to pick Auburn. Mm-hmm. Wait, is is Auburn a popular play? Like, is is there an overwhelming amount of people that are jumping on the other side of this? Because all I'm hearing is arguments for you know the one loss Alabama team and how they're going to get into the playoff. I'm not. That's fair. Uh, I, I mean, no. It, it, the I'm seeing like 65 percent on Alabama. So that's. I mean, that's more. Uh, more of the money is on Alabama. I'm talking about the spread. I think that the reaction to Tua being hurt is a bit more than it probably should have been. I, I think Auburn checks out in power ratings as a pretty good football team. Like it, I, I, it does, but look at how Auburn has performed with those power ratings against teams with better power ratings. Hmm. We will see, Tom. We will meet on the battlefield. We got enough fighting going on. And I'll walk here. off it. Yeah. We, <laughs> We, we, it is, it's a true Thanksgiving uh, edition of the, the locks pod because it's like fights all over the place. We're talking politics. Knives are being wielded. It's beautiful. Um, all right. Well, let's go to Barton. All right. So a little disappointed that this number has, has uh, lost a little value here the last couple days, but um, Vanderbilt is a 21 point underdog against Tennessee. It, it was 22 and a half, uh, a couple of days ago. So let me see. I, I think it's, I think it's pretty much 21 across the board now. So that's, that's where I'll take it, but I'm gonna take Vandy plus 21. And this is, I, I've been very much, um, I don't want to say anti Vandy, but I've, I've not been a Vandy believer. Uh, I've been uh, an early adopter of Tennessee as a team that is is progressing the right way, and I I, I really like what Tennessee's doing right now. But twenty one points, that's a that is that's a ton of points. Yes, and and Vanderbilt has beaten this Tennessee team three consecutive years, and I'm not saying they're going to beat Tennessee. I don't think they do. I think Tennessee wins. I think Tennessee wins and never sweats it, but. Tennessee hadn't beaten anybody. I mean, they beat they beat they they beat South Carolina by twenty, but um, I think they've beaten like they've covered twenty one like I think like once in the last three years or something like it's uh, against Power Five teams. Like this is just too big of a number for a rivalry game where Derek like Derek Mason say what you will, he's inconsistent. Uh, as a as a head coach, Vanderbilt has been has all kinds of up and downs, and they can lay total eggs with Derek Mason as a head coach. But they've been pretty dialed in for the rivalry game, and uh, you know I think Tennessee will be more motivated than they typically are for this game. So um, again, I'm I am not like fearing an upset for Tennessee, but 21 points, come on! So give me Vandy plus 21. I love it. I'm not locking it up, but I love it. Um, all right. I'm going to take us. Okay, living on the edge here, living on the edge. This is uh two coordinated plays. I can uh I'm going to save one of them for a little bit later, but we'll go ahead and, and start it out. Cause it's, it's not, they're not coordinated, but it's the same thinking. Uh, yet we are going to be laying the 28 and a half with the Colorado buffs against Utah. Four touchdowns team. That's right in prime position for the college football playoff. I just, uh, I don't know. You know, the, 
we we always try to spin all the hypotheticals forward like all these teams are just going to win out and you get into these conference games in November and sometimes it just doesn't play out the way that game sim or sports lines 10,000 simulations or your NCAA college football simulation like it's just not going to play out exactly the way the analytics and the numbers tell you now it might play out the other way and Utah wins this game 50 to nothing but I don't see this being a like a totally routine as expected game Colorado plus 28 and a half is yes lining up with Steven Montez but also just looking for a little bit of weird as Utah is playing with an immense amount of pressure here over the next two weeks trying to make its case for the playoff so it's a a little bit of let's say it's a it's a playoff pressure fade a PPF I'm doing a PPF with the Colorado Buffs it's a PPFP it's a playoff pressure fade principle yeah, a P yes yes I'm so excited yes yes PPFP Colorado plus 28 and a half I mean I I don't hate it <laughs> But yeah, but, man's got to stick to his principles. But jumping on the other side of Utah is terrifying. Was that your next yeah. sentence? <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be. I I, I have a feeling it's kind of like uh, with the Dennis pick on Arkansas last week. You might find yourself down twenty four nothing in a hurry, and you're just gonna have to hold on for the ride. Oh, I love it. Why don't you just? Are you, do you have do you have uh, South Carolina plus twenty eight coming up a little later on in the show as well? I've got another one. But it's it's not that one. Oh man, I'm just hoping we get like kind of a trifecta with with PPFPs. I might actually add it on. We'll see. Find out. <laughs> Coming up on the other side, more of our uh, rivalry week locks next. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, the, the card still has a lot of options left. And maybe some that have just been scribbled in as principles are being formed in real time, recording the lock spot. But for now, we go to Barton. Barton, where are we going? Uh, let's go Big 12, where Oklahoma is squaring off against Oklahoma State in Bedlam. And so I, I've been very – like when I see these big numbers – for Oklahoma, I've been jumping on them the last couple of weeks because um, Oklahoma isn't better than like they're they're not two scores better than anyone in in the Big Twelve. They they just they haven't proven that and they haven't played like that all year. And so 
they are um, it's just value there if you're going to give me like 13 to 17 points. Um, and so I felt pretty good about that. Cast a few checks that way. But here's where I get off that train. And it, it like conceptually, like I think about this and I think about, well, look at this, look at the way Oklahoma's been playing lately. And um, they're going to, you know, they're, they're, this is just another game where Oklahoma State, given the, you know, the way that team has played this year, they'll, they'll be able to hang in there. It's top 25 team. It shouldn't be 13 point favorite. But when you really look at this matchup, and part of my issue here is the idea that Oklahoma defense, like this isn't an Oklahoma defense that can't stop anybody. This is an Oklahoma defense that made the requisite jump from horrible to decent, or I don't know, average. They, they are average. They are maybe above average. They're an okay defense. And they haven't been getting blistered the last few weeks. Uh, they've actually been playing pretty well. Uh, this has all been about Oklahoma taking care of the football. And J- Jalen Hurts has had a couple of throws that he'd like back that haven't looked good. But a lot of it's been these fumbles, too, which it's not like the ball security issue isn't, isn't poor. I just think they've had some bad luck. And they've, they've guys that hit them in the right spot and made great plays and so I think some of that luck turns, comes back down to earth, and uh, Oklahoma takes care of the football. You're still going to score a, a ton of points. And then, then the, the question turns to, do I trust Drew Brown and a Tylen Wallace-less wide receiver core to move the football enough? And I know Chuba Hubbard's still there, but um, I think that Drew Brown and his – because look, we've seen it this year all over the place where first start or like first backup quarterback showcase, like he's pretty good because people don't really know what to expect. Then you get a little film on him and you, you know, he comes back down to earth. I think he comes back down to earth after a good game last week in Oklahoma, uh, who's been trying to make a, a playoff statement, gets it with, uh, with a big win. So Oklahoma minus 13 is the play. I'm passing on this game. Tom, you got anything? No, I'm passing too. Okay. I know on HQ I made the bold prediction, but that was, you know, bold. All right, Tom. Uh, for my next one, I am going to go to the Mountain West where they won't be in Laramie, but they will be in Fort Collins. I'm taking Wyoming plus 10 and a half at Air Force. There is um, a freaking uh, snowstorm out there, right? Uh, it's possible, yes. But that's not really what's leading me to the pick. This is I was leaning towards Wyoming as it was, and then I saw, thanks to the bear from game day, that produced for uh, uh, some trends that made me look deeper into. Wyoming is only 3-2 and two as an underdog this year. But it's kind of misleading because they covered against Wyoming, Tulsa, and Boise and failed to cover as a 3.5-point dog against San Diego State. It lost by four, so it failed to cover by half a point. When it failed to cover as a four-point dog against Utah State, it lost by five, so it failed to cover by a point. It's one in four straight up as an underdog, but those four losses have come by a total of 15 points, so like you know, four and a quarter points per game. The average spread in those games has been seven and a half points, so this is a team that its record isn't there, but as an underdog has performed very well, and I think that this spot against Air Force is a spot where Wyoming matches up well. Uh, Air Force, obviously, we know, runs an option. It's a little more pass-happy than your typical option is, but 
in order to stop any option offense, you know, you, you've got to have good gap discipline. You've got to have, you know, you got to know your assignments on defense. And that is something that Wyoming is good at and has been good at all season long. They are very good against the run. They have only allowed 2.69 yards per carry this year. The explosive runs against in, in their my explosiveness metric, they rank fifth nationally in limiting explosive runs. And I think that this is just a matchup where I think Air Force is probably going to win the game because I do think that they bring a little more offensively that they will win out and plus they're at home. But I don't think that they're going to be capable of covering the spread against a very good Wyoming defense and a Wyoming offense that might not be explosive itself but should be able to get enough points on the board to keep close. So give me Wyoming with 10 in the hook. Love it. Absolutely love it. Not locking it up myself. Got a beefy card, but I love it. All right. Uh, here we go. Feeling loose. Feeling real loose. Going to need some stops. Going to need some stops. Come on, Beavs. We're going to Oregon State plus 19 and a half. Justin Herbert's been bad. Oregon State is going to be spunky. There's no. I mean, I just don't see uh Oregon State being unprepared for this game and when I think about Oregon what is the the one thing that Oregon gets to hold up as it's like really really good dominant win it's at USC in the Coliseum in a game that was just like filled filled with USC mistakes I mean that is the worst loss of the Trojan season and it was one where you know it was 10 nothing USC until all of a sudden it just turned into a little bit of a an avalanche for uh an avalanche for the for the Trojans, excuse me. And so I am going to be taking an Oregon State team that we have enjoyed watching sort of get its feet under it with Jonathan Smith. We feel like it's starting to take a step forward. You know, Isaiah Hodges, the transfer wide receiver, is one of the the better wide receivers in the in the country. So yeah, give me the Beavs plus 19 and a half. Civil War, rivalry dog, lock it up. I love it. I mean, the Oregon State, the Beavers are the unofficial team of the Cover 3 podcast. And so what better way to go out than to be watching Oregon State cash a ticket against uh, Oregon here in, in the uh, in the Civil War. So I'm with it, man. Oregon State, love it. Uh, yeah, no, no <laughs> Barton? My turn? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Back to the back to the Big Twelve, and I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a ton of like analytics on this one. This just to me is the right play. Uh, Baylor is is laying fourteen against Kansas on the the precipice of a playoff resume, and it's it's heading into the Big Twelve championship game and. It is, you know, heading to Lawrence, and I know Kansas has shown some scrap this year, and I know that they've won a couple games, played a couple teams close. I don't think Baylor is the type of team that is going to lay an egg uh, on the verge of a Big 12 championship game. And, you know, this is they, – they laid an egg – for me against West Virginia. I guess that's the last time you can really say that they did, but I just don't think this Kansas team is 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 that good. They've gotten some film on the new offensive coordinator. They've, you know, this is a defense for Kansas that is one of the worst and least efficient in the country. Um I I really trust this Baylor defense. 
So I just think over the course of four quarters, uh, Kansas doesn't keep this within 14 points. I, I like Baylor pulling away and, uh, and doing what they're supposed to do against the worst team in the Big 12. Get right game for the smock. I like it. What about the, the PPFP? Not big enough number for the PPFP. That's true. Sorry. <laughs> That's not a big enough number. Oh, well. All right, Tom. Uh, all right. For my next lock, I am going to stay in the Big 12 with Barton, but it's a different game. I am taking the under 46 and a half in Iowa State, Kansas State. Wonder. It's, it's going to be windy in Manhattan. Uh, winds between literally like 17 and a half miles an hour to 20 miles an hour throughout the game. And it's, I mean, I don't even know if I really need to go that much further into this. That's all, that's all you need. All. <laughs> like, I, I, I feel like Kansas State is actually kind of a sneaky play here on the money line as well, simply because I think Iowa State offensively will be greater impacted by this weather, and that could play towards Kansas State's advantage. But I, I'm more comfortable taking the under than that. So, yeah, under 46.5, ISU, KSU, Wendy. So we uh, we agree that 14, that, that wasn't enough for the PPFP, but 17 might be. And that's why we're locking up Texas A&M plus 17 down in Baton Rouge. PPFP, we've got an LSU team that, you know, I just, I just don't know right now if this Tigers team – is going to against a, a Texas A&M like did Texas A&M fire its last bullets against Georgia? I don't think so. I think that the Aggies with a spread this big, uh, we should be able to count on them to be able to give uh, at least the scores that we need because if Texas A&M just rolls over in a game that went to seven overtimes last year, I don't know. Is Texas saying like are we going to have? In in uh, in a situation where we've got fights and bad blood and coaching rivalries, is Texas A&M just going to get steamrolled? I don't think so. So I'm I'm going with uh, an Aggies team that has been competitive even against the best teams in the country, and I'm going to take Texas A&M to cover this 17 against a playoff team uh, under pressure. Lock agreement. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So two fights and some agreement here. Yeah, no, I, I just, I think this line is a little disrespectful to, you know, what what Texas A&M has been able to do in games against these top teams. And Texas A&M has been able to hang around with Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia. And those are all three teams with much better defenses than the one they're going to be facing, I think, this Saturday in LSU. So, well, maybe not Alabama's, but you know what I'm saying. So I think that, even though they're on the road and it's going to be kind of more iffy. I think that LSU kind of like with, we've got, you have with Georgia and Georgia tech earlier, they might be, you know, they're not going to look past A&M, but they've, they've got, they're probably not going to put everything on the table unless they absolutely have to. So I, I, I like the Aggies here to cover 17. I just think that's, that's too many points. Interesting. I'm not. I'm not playing this game. Oh, this is uh, oh, no. Uh, okay. No. I'm not going to unite the clans. Backing away. Uh, I mean, I, th- I probably, I probably would lean y'all side, but I just that. All, I mean, 
the margins are are much slimmer with uh, with Georgia. Uh, there's there's more room for error for LSU because you know I mean they're gonna score. Um, I don't care what A and M does, LSU's gonna score. And so then can you know who do you trust more, A um, and M's offense or LSU's defense? I think both have something to prove. So I'm not I'm not gonna jump on this with you guys, but. Uh, um, it does sort of. I mean, A and M's are they just going to go over on all these teams? Feels like they could. They could catch somebody. If A and M wins, <sighs> chaos. That, that would be, that would be very college football. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would no one no one is sort of in, is 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 gaming that out with A and M winning. Everyone's assuming LSU wins. It would be very college football for A and M to win. Um, I've got two. I've got two picks left. What about you? I got two picks left. I got two picks left too. All right. Barton. I've got I've got one pick left. Barton. All right. Uh I'm I'm gonna go with uh with Wake Forest here. They are it's a four and a half point line heading to the to the what was the artist formerly known as the Carrier Dome. That's right. Um and I, I mean, Syracuse is – what do they have to play for right now? Um, they – you know, they, they, they this is a, their fifth win is what they're they're playing for. They've – they kind of had a decent showing against Louisville after blowing out Duke, but I, I think that they're, they're out of bullets at this point. I think that they've – they've – held it all together with rubber bands and duct tape and um they've they've tried to make it work and now after a little late surge i think they come back down to earth because i think that wake forest uh you know they need to finish strong they need to head into the postseason strong and 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 continue to make a statement uh you know i think dave clausen continues to uh you know have an opportunity to sort of uh send a message that he's a you know an, an up-and-coming coach for these major power five jobs and so i think he's going to have his team focused so i'm, I'm just going to take wake without much more explanation than that I, I just think they're better than four and a half points uh difference between syracuse that's a stinky line it's a it very is. stinky line it is yeah it was it close to being on my card too wake yeah yeah smelly smelly just and i wonder if it's just like people trying to outsmart themselves into motivation because they've seen syracuse be a little bit spunky in the in recent weeks but yeah you're right wake's the better team if, if we were gonna if we were gonna jump on wake against duke with that same sort of mentality then and get the win there then i, I think that keeping it rolling is a is a smart play so i can at the very least like at the very least with this wake team I think you can tr- like you're. This isn't. They're not putting like a nine and a half number here. Like you just got to win by six or seven points and you cover. And I think at the very least, we can trust Wake to just not lay an egg in these sort of spots. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Um, all right, I am PPFP. We're going South Carolina plus twenty seven. Let's go. There it is. Game Cox. We already the PPFP trifecta <laughs> the uh we already discussed the uh the meeting with uh will muschamp and his superiors coach we got your back we feel good 
you know, Ray Tanner, a former coach, he's like, I've been there. It's tough. Just don't get blown out by Clemson. All right, Will. See ya. Have a good game. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Gamecocks. Uh and if you're gonna I, I do not advise uh like a like coming from this place where you're looking at Clemson and you're understanding that there's a lot going on and they really just need to win by one and and maybe South Carolina is able to come out and throw another haymaker kind of in the way that it, it did against Georgia, at least defensively. I I wonder if having last week off wasn't great for Clemson. Like, I wonder if this cover happens thanks to a little bit of a slow start, just getting things moving out of the gate. Very interesting to see. It feels like the kind of game where I might, I should know by the middle second quarter whether or not South Carolina is going to cover. So one way or another, if you want to have that kind of experience, then come and join me on the PPFP South Carolina (laughs) plus 27. (laughs) I, that, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, you got principles, and I'm proud of you for sticking with your principles. I don't know that I agree with you that you're going to know by the second quarter. If like you, you might have to just sweat out a some sort of a Clemson third quarter, fourth quarter explosion um, where it's a 14 point game, and then you look up and they just pu- punched it out to 34. So, so I, I got I got some advice for you on Saturday, Chip. I want you to. Just get some candles, all right, and just light them. There's some nice scented candles, some nice soothing, calming candles. Put on some, you know, soothing, calming instrumental music in the background because I have a feeling it's going to be a very stressful Saturday for you with all these big dogs, and you're going to be, you're going to be worried early because you're going to be worried about them losing control, losing the cover. I just want you to be calm and within the moment, and just trust that process throughout the day because I think you're going to have a good day. So you're telling me taking five underdogs of 17 points or more is stressful? It could be, yeah. It could prove to be a very stressful afternoon. All right, uh, Barton, back to you. All right, this is um out of my typical lane but i'm going to the the bottom 25 wow uh, world um i assume i don't know is rice in the bottom 25 right now oh yeah it is all right well utep is certainly in the bottom 25 as well this is the bottom 25 game of the century of the week oh great so i can get a little bit of your expertise on here but the the line is seven Mm -hmm. and i've i haven't watched a lot of rice i've watched some of rice admittedly i haven't watched any of utep but when you look at what Rice has done this year, they were competitive against Wake, lost by 20. They nearly beat Army. They, they were competitive against Baylor, lost by eight. Competitive against uh, like an eight and three Louisiana Tech team. Competitive against UAB, lost to a bad UTS, UTSA, lost to Southern Miss, lost to Marshall, but all in competitive fashion. Then they've won their last two against MTSU. In North Texas. And I don't typically like to do this, just sort of compare scores, but it's hard not to ignore this. UTEP, conversely, has played worse teams and looked worse doing it. They got blown out by Southern Miss. They got blown out by Nevada. They got blown out by UTSA. Blown out by FIU. Blown out by Louisiana Tech. Blown out by North Texas. They lost to Charlotte. Blown out by UAB. And got beat by New Mexico State. So how am I not supposed to look at that and say, these numbers, that number should be bigger, A. And secondly, this Rice team now has won two straight, a, a year where they've been grinding. It feels like they've got this new 
energy and confidence. And I think they go in there thinking that they're like Alabama playing UTEP. And I think that they have a uh, foot on the gas mentality and uh, I think they snuff them out. So give me uh, Mike Bloomgren's Rice Owls. Yeah, no, I'm I'm all for it because Rice has been a much better team than its record suggests all year. I was I was saying, you know, it's while my rankings aren't predictive, just the numbers that I would see with Rice every week when I put my ratings together was telling me that okay, this this is a team that's definitely going to win at least one game, and it's probably going to win at least two games before the season ends. And it they waited as long as humanly possible to get them, but they finally won two games. And UTEP is just kind of the opposite where. Their record is very indicative of who they've been as a team. And I think, like you said, with all the momentum, UTEP's 1-10. It's the last game of the year. He doesn't have anything to play for. I know it's senior day for some of these guys, but Rice would love to finish the season on a three-game win streak, and Rice Heck is going to yeah. be very motivated. So I, I, I think Rice is very much the right play here, yes. Yeah, they lost like 19 straight or something. I mean, they, mm-hmm. I think they, didn't, they, didn't they go 1-11 last year, won their first game maybe, and then lost 11 straight, and then they lost yep. their first, what, uh, nine this year or whatever yep. it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now you're telling me they're about to be on a three-game win streak? Heck mm-hmm. yeah, they're going to be juiced for this game. All right, uh, Tom. Uh, my final play. We're going to have some fun. We're taking another over. The over 71 in Tulane and SMU. Just wow. Just <laughs> wow. Points galore in this game. First of all, the over is nine and two in SMU's games this year. So that's that's a fun trend to follow. And Tulane has been pretty explosive offensively at times as well. And SMU is definitely very good at giving up points. But if you just look at this, uh in their personal meetings. The over is five and one in the last six. It's four and one the last five times they've played in Dallas to SMU. This is just, I don't see many stops in this game. The only way that they don't get an over is if they just trade turnovers constantly because I don't think the punters are going to get much work. I think that this is going to be a back and forth affair for 60 minutes and nobody's going to try kicking a field goal because they're going to realize it's a waste of time to do so. So take the over 71. With five underdogs of 17 points or more on my final regular season card, it is with great pride that I lay down a sixth underdog of 17 points or more. (laughs) We're going Odell Haggins and the Florida State Seminoles plus 17 and a half against Florida. This is a rivalry game, and all of a sudden we're starting to – we're starting to be like, hey, Odell deserves a shot. Odell deserves a shot. Odell deserves a shot. Now, if Odell Haggins does get introduced as the next head full-time head coach of the Florida State Seminoles, that that might mean that uh, a couple other conversations didn't go as planned or a couple other targets decided they wanted to stay put or go elsewhere. But it does not mean that the Florida State program is in a bad spot. So I'm going to go with uh, the player's coach, the interim. He knows no losses. He's Odell Haggins, and he's going to lead us to a cover as a 17.5-point underdog in a rivalry game. Makes sense Get to me. Candles, calming music. <laughs> I will I will have lost so many. I will have lost multiple pounds of sweat by the time we do our instant reaction show on Saturday night. There's. Do you have Spotify? <laughs> uh, I don't use Spotify, but yeah, I think I do have an account. <laughs> 
I was gonna say there's there's a peaceful meditation playlist that I think will come in very handy for you on Saturday. Oh, I don't need your playlist. Just give me the old Brian Eno seventies albums. Uh, <laughs> just play some ACDC and go in there head first in this thing. Just, just embrace, embrace it. it. <laughs> oh man. All right. Uh and Barton, what's your last one? That's it. That's I'm it. Good. All right. Yeah, cashed. Sprinkle you do money time. lines though. All right, money lines, sprinkles. Who's out there? Uh, Barton, I'll you first. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. So back in uh, the late summer, I the the one of the top uh, ranking skies for rivals tweeted something uh, a little bit, uh, a little bit derogatory about our rankings process based on bumping up a certain guy and I kind of snapped back at him um, with a little bit of a, uh, a chippy tweet in return. And uh, he caught, you know, was catching flack for that. And I guess in an attempt to like come to his defense, like the rivals um, Kentucky writer said like, Oh, nice one for all those that's like, like this one, you know, this is the same guy that picked L- uh, Louisville to upset Kentucky this year. Because I had. I picked Louisville to upset Kentucky preseason. And, you know, then a bunch of Kentucky fans jumped on board and said, oh, yeah, what an idiot. That's He's just, a, you know, hunting for clicks or whatever. Well, if Louisville beats Kentucky on Saturday, now we're here after Louisville's three-win season last year. They're playing for eight wins this year, and they're like a two-and-a-half-point dog. So... I might, I, you know, I'm not typically like Twitter tough guy guy, but I might have to go a little bit sort of chirpy again at this guy if Louisville actually beats Kentucky because here we are, and Louisville is very much in play. So I'm going to go Louisville plus 135, and I need a win. I haven't, I haven't won since I got too big for my britches after the K State money line sprinkle, and so let's get back, back in. Uh, the right direction with Louisville on a small number. Sprinkle agreement? Oh, no way. Sprinkle <laughs> unity? What? Whoa! Gotta let them know it's the Louisville Cardinals plus 135. Oh, this is hilarious. We're all on Louisville plus 135, but did any of us lock up Louisville in the points? No! <laughs> Because it's either a win or it's, you know. Yeah, no, I. Yeah. This is also kind of like a hedge for me on my Kentucky win total. Well, that had nothing to do with it. I just think that, like I said, when we were talking on the last episode about our win totals, I feel like this is a coin flip game. So if I can get plus 135 on a coin flip, okay, sure. Yeah. That's sprinkle unity. <laughs> wow. I think Louisville's the better football team. I don't know why they're the underdog. So. Sprinkle it up, U-N-I-T-Y. To review our loaded week thir- week 14 locks, Tom's card, 
uh, from the Thursday, Friday locks, part one episode, Ole Miss plus two and a half, the under 63 and a half in Texas tech, Texas, the under 44 and a half in Nebraska, Iowa, then in West Virginia plus 13 and a half from Saturday, the over 50 in Ohio state, Michigan, the under 43 and a half in Illinois, Northwestern, Wisconsin minus two and a half, Alabama minus three and a half, Wyoming plus 10 and a half. Texas A&M plus seven and the under 46 and a half and Iowa State, Kansas State and over 71 in Tulane SMU. Barton's card, Ole Miss plus two and a half, Texas Tech plus 10, Memphis minus 11, Ohio State minus eight and a half in the game. Vandy plus 21 against Tennessee, Oklahoma minus 13 against Oklahoma State, Minnesota plus three against Wisconsin, Baylor minus 14 against Kansas, Wake minus four and a half at Syracuse, and Rice minus seven against UTEP. Chips card, under 58 and a half in the Egg Bowl, Virginia Tech minus two and a half, Memphis minus 11, South Carolina plus 27 and a half, Georgia Tech plus 28 and a half, Colorado plus 28 and a half, Minnesota plus three, Auburn plus three and a half, Oregon State plus 19 and a half, Texas A&M plus 17, Missouri minus 12, Florida State plus 17 and a half. The lock agreements, Tom, Barton, and Dennis, and the dentist love uh, Ole Miss plus two and a half, Barton and Chip like Memphis minus 11. Barton and Chip are Minnesota plus three, but in a fight with Tom, who's on the locked in Wisconsin minus two and a half, there's a Tom Chip lock fight for the Iron Bowl. I'm on Auburn, Alabama for Tom and a lock agreement, Texas A&M and a lock sprinkle unity on Louisville plus 135. We're probably going to be moving money lines here. So go ahead and get it as soon as you hear this. Beefy. Love it. Love Money it. Line Movers. Remember, subscribe to the Cover 3 Podcast. We are going to be back with you on Saturday night with another instant reaction. Follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. Follow Barton on Twitter at Barton Simmons. Follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.